The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and welcome to a new episode of Handbrake Off, our weekly Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. For the first show of the new year, I'm in the studio with two of The Athletic's writers covering all things Arsenal every week, Amy Lawrence and also James McNicholas. Hello. 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 Uh, Amy, welcome back. Thank welcome you. back. You've been away. You, you're away and you missed Arsenal changing a manager. That's never happened, is what you this told me. This is a first, yes. This is a first. If you'd have been away for a few more weeks, you'd have missed two managers. <laughs> uh, and joining us down the line is a man who we've come to regard as the Obi-Wan Kenobi of Arsenal punditry, a man I tend to think of as calling in and dispensing wisdom while sitting cross-legged atop a mountain, albeit one with excellent Wi-Fi. It's the legend. That is Lee Dixon. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's actually it's actually betwixtmas now mm. isn't it it's that, okay. it's, it's that weird time of year when nothing happens and everyone drives badly <laughs> <laughs> now a friend of mine Mark Watson very funny comedian said yeah. he'd like to die at this time of year because there's nothing much going on <laughs> just gives you something to do <laughs> Uh, anyway <laughs> uh, nice to have you all here uh, now I think we can all agree that these are weird times at Arsenal uh, one win in 15 Four home defeats in a row uh, for the first time since, I don't know, Herbert Chapman or something. Um, so we thought we'd ask the question, what is your weirdest Arsenal moment of the last decade? Uh, Amy, I'm looking at you because you said you had about 100 of these, but uh, just give us your highlights. I did have loads, so I'm narrowing it down um, to uh, just a little preamble. Um, about two years before Arsene Wenger finally left Arsenal, the Guardian, in their wisdom, um, said, listen, when, it, when the time comes and it might be very soon, I think things were quite bad. Uh, we need to have like the definitive piece prepared. So take a couple of weeks off, take your time and go and write, you know, the, the Wenger obit, essentially. So I, I did so and it it, um, it lay in, in the kind of uh, equivalent of, a, of the back of the drawer, uh, whatever that is in electronic days for about two years. <laughs> And when the time finally came, I happened to be in uh, a hospital where one of my sons was getting some treatment and there was no mobile reception whatsoever except for in the loo. So I happened to... I went to the went to the loo for no great reason other than it needed to go to the loo not to check my phone. But I thought while I was there, and lo and behold, just switched on the phone and, and had a look. And there was the news that, that Arsene Wenger was leaving Arsenal. And... Uh, I ran out the loo swearing, which didn't go down very well in the in the hospital, and um, had to borrow one of the nurses' computers to sort of quickly update <laughs> this uh, this piece that had been lying around for two years and smash it out so that it was ready to go like five minutes after, and it looked like it was brilliantly prepared. Wow! It's an outstanding weird moment, and also if you're wondering why the NHS is struggling. That's because <laughs> Arsenal, <laughs> the athletic writer, Amy Lawrence, is writing... Elbowing a nurse out the way. <laughs> exactly. Someone's struggling on a life support machine. <laughs> James, the weirdest moment. Hard to top that. I mean, I, I remember where I was when I found out Arsene Wenger was leaving. I got a phone call on a train from my brother and I picked the phone up and he just said, he's gone. And I instantly knew what it meant. And that was surreal and weird, definitely. Having sort of lived with Arsene Wenger as Arsenal mm. manager for you know my whole adult life but if you're looking at things that have happened to Arsenal on and off the field in terms of the weirdest moment of the last 10 years I think Wojciech Szczesny getting done for smoking in the showers uh, was pretty weird to be honest and yeah. I'd have to go for that 
Yeah, that that's was fa- that was fairly weird. One. Although goalkeepers, I guess you know, it's not such a problem, is it? They don't have to run about. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not suggesting <laughs> anyone not should condoning smoke. It. Right, I'm okay. not in any way condoning it. Lee, um, well, you have that's some. Not that, that's not that weird, though. To be fair, because we were all lining up to get in the toilets when we were playing, like <laughs> tapping our woodbines on the packet just to get the end of the tobacco out, so waiting for a cubicle. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a great niche reference. For anyone under 70, Woodbines were a uh, a rather strong cigarette, I believe. Lee, what have you got for us in terms of weird uh, Arsenal moments of the decade? Well, I normally come up with something um, from the past, but I, I just can't get out of my head. And I'm, you know, I'm going back to the, uh, the, the, the miserable Dixon talking about defending. I can't get out of my head weirdest moment for me is desperately seeking a um, solid defender, dependable captain, leader um, in, in recent times. And then we go and sign David Luiz. So that for me is probably the weirdest thing. I, he would have been the last person that I, and I've not got anything personal about David Luiz. I just, he's not my type of defender. And, and at a time when we needed a, you know, a, a Tony Adams or a Frank McClintock, we we go and get a Brazilian footballer who should be playing in a different position and um, and hang all our Christmas decorations on him and say go and go and lead the team. So that's that would be my weirdest thing why that decision was made. And I think Frank Lampard couldn't believe his luck when that deal came through the door. No, that was pretty weird. On on by the same token, I, I'm just going to say Andre Santos. I, yeah. I, mean, I have no idea how <laughs> I he became about him. Oh God, what should I have said him? <laughs> well, if you'd have said Santos, I'd have said David Luiz. If I'm totally <laughs> honest with you, although he was immense uh, at the weekend, I felt and I actually felt a little bit sorry for him. Uh, and and I'd like to talk uh, a little bit about the game, Lee, at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh. Can I just ask this question? Are we too good to go down? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are we? We've far won too, one in 15. Yeah, you can't, that team cannot go down. Don't just get that out of your head. It can't go down. Okay. Um, Why? Yeah, we've got, because <laughs> Why? we've got bad Bamiyang. None of the teams at the bottom have got a Bamiyang. We've got some good, there's some good players at the club. But we can, we can, you know, and I'm the worst of it get doom and gloom and everything and, and, it, oh, yeah. and we've seen we've seen in the first half at uh, at the weekend there was there was lots of improvement you know there was a there was a definite shift in positionally the back four and the and the protection in front was hugely different than it has been and um and that was the biggest thing I took out the first I was doing the commentary for the for NBC and I was you know I had a little smile on my face next mm. to Clive Tills he, kept, he thought I had wind Kept looking at me, thinking he must have wind because he's smiling and looking at our back four, and uh, and I kept you know talking about it and saying, look, it looks a lot better. Chelsea couldn't get in the game; they were squeezing the squeezing in between the lines, and it was making it very difficult. There was a snap in everything. The line wasn't dropping off too much. It wasn't playing too high. It was m- more or less perfect, which we've not seen that for a long time. No. And there was pressure enough on the ball for him to hold that line and it made it very difficult for Chelsea. And uh, so I was re- that's the best I've seen Torreira play as a as a disciplined, you know, little um terrier of a player that we know he is, but he was in the right position doing that instead of running all over the place. So Genduzi was disciplined as well. So 
they, yeah, there was lots of positives. So that you know, when that that Arsenal team can't go down, and then you know, in a, in a space of uh, two or three minutes, we you know the old Arsenal that could quite easily go down mm. showed its ugly head, and um, and we get, we you know obviously the goalkeeper mistake is a mistake, and it, to be fair to him, he's he's been really reliant and made some. He's had to. He's had a lot of, you know, the most shots to save. So, um, Leno dropped a Rick there and, and we paid for it. And then the rest of it, when, you know, don't get me going on. <laughs> well, we, hang we on. Can't, you, can't you, talk you, about that goal because it just makes me feel ill. I get stomachache thinking about it. Well, I hate to do this to you, Lee, but let's, let's do it then. So, where did it all go wrong for <laughs> Arsenal? Do you think... Uh, you've got some brace yourself. I hope you've got, exactly, some Gaviscon nearby. But... Uh, where did it go wrong? Do you think it was a question of fatigue? Do you think they just tired and couldn't maintain the intensity? Yeah, there's a, there's been that's been levelled at them that they only play for you know 55 minutes and they all get tired. I, I don't you know I don't I don't necessarily believe that. I think there's a we've talked about it before. I think there's a fragility in the mentality of the team. So you give a goal away when you're on top. Um, and then, because obviously Frank made a Frank made a really good substitution and changed yeah. the system, and he, and he said, "Look, this isn't working. Let's do something else." And it yeah. and it it turned us around a little bit, and it made it a bit more difficult for us. And then second half, they started to find a bit more passing, and then 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 the fragility steps in. That's where you go the other way. You know, the mentally strong teams go. You know, no, this we're getting out, outrun here. They change. You change something as a team. And you you impose yourself on the opposition again, and you go again, and then you end up winning the game, one nil and, and or two nil, and 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 the rest is history. But because of the way where they are, because of the the leadership qualities in the team are, are pretty weak, um, you then get a strong push from the opposition, and you give a mistake away, yeah. and the, you know all the wall comes tumbling down, and then you're in. You, you basically as soon as they say they equalise, I went, we're in trouble because mm. you could just see us, and that's that's the bit that you go, oh yeah, that's the team at the bottom of the league, that's what they do, you know, and that's 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 how. It, but because of the quality in the side, moving to the next game, you know, they come United comes thick and fast they'll they'll bounce back i'm pretty sure arteta's having a having an influence on the training ground and in the dressing room we've we've seen a bit of that already um so it's it's not all doom and gloom but ultimately and he he knows this i hope he does you i've said it a million million times on here you're only as good as the players you've got and you know we have got now a centre-back issue you know with chambers being out and what what do we do now um because Mustafi, something's got to be done about <laughs> something's got to be done about him, and I mean that in the best possible way, in, yeah. in, a, in a footballing sense. <laughs> you, you, he has to be he has to be taken into a room and and sat down in front of the video with a, ten coaches around him, saying and asking him the question. I would have given a million pounds just to say after the game. Can I just can I just have a little chat with? With uh, Mustafi and just, I just want to know what's going through his head. I just want to know what his thought process is. I, I know why he's doing. I absolutely fear-based football he's playing. Mm. He's, he, you know, he's, if something's in front of him, he'll run at it and and knock it down because that's the type of player he is. And and you know, he's brave in that respect. But the rest of his game, he's 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 fearful. He's 
all he wants to do is it not be his fault and and you can't play at this level like that and no. and he needs to learn very very quickly and obviously with his age and his experience you say he should be in there already you know the one thing you cannot do in the situation he was in he absolutely did it with bells on you know <laughs> you've got 2v1 at the back on a break you've got men running back there's no real, just go tight to abraham he's got nothing else on he cannot do anything if you go behind him what's he going to do he, no. he lays it off he ain't going to he ain't going to turn you and outrun you that way because he's running away from goal he's he's in their half he's all the all the I mean, imagine, just imagine for one second. Sorry, I'm ranting. I can feel it. It's all right. And I hate going, always going back to the people I played with and stuff. But you have to compare players now and players that are making mistakes or doing well and saying, you know, doesn't he remind you of, uh, doesn't Bellerin remind you of, of Lauren or, you know, do, all the good stuff or whatever. But when somebody does makes mistakes like can you imagine Tony Adams and Steve Bold or Martin Keown no. having a 2v1 at the back and Chelsea it's one all and there's a break do you imagine them two running back to their own goal like scared little kids it was it just wouldn't happen somebody you know Martin would just go right behind him and they get and the moves over they play it back you get back in position you look how many how many Arsenal red shirts were running back around the edge of the box and getting in the box when he scored, they were all getting back. So they couldn't get back quick enough because our two centre-hours were sprinting as fast as you can back to our goal. <laughs> Lee? Simply because he didn't go tight. Is it partly our fault because we watched Mustafi for the last, whatever it is, couple of years, going, don't dive in, don't dive in, stay on yeah. your feet. Whereas that time, when Abraham got the ball, and I looked to see when Mustafi had gone, and he was <laughs> running away, as you said. And I'm thinking, just go through him. Go through him. Give away the booking, and then we all reset, and mm. then we're fine. I mean, you don't even have to go through him. You just, you just go, you just go a yard away from him. Put your hand, put your your right hand in the base of his back, so he knows you're there. And then he goes, "Well, I'm not going to turn him now." And then he lays it off. That's yeah. it. You don't even have to tackle him. But that <clears throat> the point is that you made. You know, you're saying we 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 want him to stop diving in and doing that. He just doesn't. He doesn't sense danger. He, he does. He, he takes the easy option of I'll just go and tackle or I'll just drop off. It's the you see. It's always the easy. It's fear based. Yeah. He feels he gets he gets vulnerable because he's not very quick. So he gets vulnerable. And to me, and I'm you know I'm hammering him and I'm and I feel bad about it. But it's my football club and he comes on and you and you, you go no you've got to do better than that. That is irresponsible thinking if you think like that then you shouldn't be playing and so then that boils down to the manager go you know can you rely on him I, it, we've got injuries and you might say well he's on the bench we didn't, I didn't want to play him that was obvious he didn't play but he's called upon and then he goes and does that and costs you the game he, he cost us the game simple as that Lee if you're Mikel Arteta I, I found myself looking at him uh, during the game and feeling so much sympathy in a way for the situation he was in because you could see in that first half an hour that yeah. actually he had, had achieved a surprising amount in yeah. a very very short mm. space of time I was really astonished to see that Arsenal could play could suddenly rediscover that intensity that zip about their passing that high energy it was it, people were looking at each other like ah oh, God remember this this is brilliant and, and, and it yeah. felt great and Obviously, something's working there, 
But he's in a situation where he's picking up a club who've got one win in 15 matches, mm-hmm. however good some of the players might be. The, the confidence is, you know, of a lot of players has been very, very badly hit during this period. And yeah. he, if you look at his bat four, you just mentioned yeah. that David Luiz would not have been the player that you would buy. But out of the back four that he selected, which obviously got worse when Chambers goes off, really only one of them, Louise, a guy you don't particularly want to be playing anyway, is one who might be in with a shout of being in your first choice back four if everyone's fit and available. Mm, I mean, yeah. to be in this situation where the club can't buy a win and you, your back four is, you know, two, two midfield players who are young, homegrown products, one of whom is 18, who are not used to being fullbacks and not schooled at, at, at being fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Ends up with Mustafi, who's a player that you don't really ideally want to be playing, who they didn't even want to have at the club. I, I mean, what what is he? What can he do? Because at the moment, his options are not changing all of a sudden. I mean, I can't see too many players sudden, like, suddenly being available to form a new back four. No, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. I even said it in commentary at the weekend. There was, there was, there was a time when Mustafi came on there was a time um, there was a you know drop in play, and I was kind of chatting with Clive, and I said, and I, I saw Frank uh, Lampard on the sideline, kind of pointing to the to the our defence, and and I sort of looked at him, and I went, I've just seen Frank Lampard pointing at our back four, and I think I think he's just gone through them one by one, and gone exactly what you just said: two young uh, midfield players who don't normally play fullback. And two guys playing in the middle of the defence that we can really probably they'll probably give us two or three chances each in the next you know hour, and um, and I kind of so it doesn't it doesn't fill you with confidence, but it, he he's in that position as you said, um, and uh, you know he'll be knocking on the door trying to get money, trying to get something going in the transfer market, but. He's a, ultimately he's a coach, and he's you know he I think he knows the situation. The Arsenal job doesn't come round too often, although it's come round reasonably quickly in the last two. But. Unless you're Mikel Arteta, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've only done six podcasts. We've had three managers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, maybe it's us. Maybe yeah. we do. We've jinxed it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he's. Uh, I do. I do feel for him a little bit, and and you know, there's he's got. He's got a goal scorer. I mean, Aubameyang's probably the best left back at the club now mm. um, from his performance at the weekend. Yeah. He was brilliant at left back. So, he, but he, he'll score goals. I mean, I know he's muting at the moment. He wants to go and play and win trophies at elsewhere. Whether that's his agent or whatever, I don't know. Um, but he's yeah, he's got a squad. But that, we're gonna, you know, he's going to be tested. I, I think he'll he'll get a little bit of leeway from the fans and he'll get a bit of. Um, respite from the pressure but ultimately it is a results game Amy you know that and then there'll be a time where they'll start turning against you know if the results don't change which I think they will I think he's we've seen enough in that first half to to go oh the trouble with that is that that doesn't that doesn't last forever in a, in a group of players that I see at the club right now you've yeah. got that little bounce and that little buzz in training we saw that under Emery the training changed under Emery um, on the training ground. There was accountability in training. He got them all at it. I know that, you know, because I spoke to Baldy and he said, yeah, it's, th- there's a massive difference from now until um, since Arsene sort of left. So that's that was a big plus last season and the start of last season. But as we saw, that doesn't last forever. And ultimately, the quality of the players is what carries any coach, whether yeah. you're Pep 
or your, you know, Neil Warnock. It carries any player, uh, any manager through his tenure at a club. It's the quality of his players. Just a quick one about this group of players, Lee. Something that struck me watching it is Bern Leno goes and he makes that mistake. Uh, and there wasn't really any sense of anyone putting an arm yeah. around his shoulder yes. or consoling him or having a word in his ear, anything like that. Did that surprise you? If you were on that pitch, would you have had a word with him or would you have not been able to look him in the eye at that point? <laughs> it's a difficult one because it never really happened. We weren't that type of a bunch of players. The last thing a player needs when you... Met, I'm telling you now, the mm. last player. Tony, we, we had to pull Tony Adams up about it because... He was the world's worst. He was the best captain, but he was the world's <laughs> worst for you make a rick, make a mistake, and he'd run up to you and he'd tap you on the back of his shorts, you know, on your bum and go, it's all right, mate, don't worry about it. I mean, that, does that really help? Does that, does that really help anybody? And I said to him, don't ever, if I make a mistake, Tone, don't ever run up to me and tap me on the backside because I'll knock you out. I'm not. I'm, just leave me alone. I know I've made a mistake. You don't yeah. need to be told you made. And the last thing Leno needs is people coming up to him and going, "It's okay, mate. We'll work it out." You don't. You just need to be left alone. Fair enough. You know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah um, you know, there was one or two sort of half kind of came, you know, walked yeah. towards him, but I was just like, just leave him. He, you know, he doesn't need any any words at that point. Uh, Lee, just a quick one uh, from me. Lucas Torreira at the end of the game um, articulated, I think, they were all feeling very despondent, partly because they felt so up in that first half an hour and they wanted so much to turn that corner and then it felt like, oh, and anything that they try, it it doesn't seem to work out. It it looks a bit like Arsenal are just a team who've forgotten what it feels like to win a game. You know, Mm. it's been a while. And if if you're in that kind of rut, what do you do as players? How you know? How do you stop yourself from not so much feeling sorry for yourself, but getting in that mind frame where you're almost anything that can go wrong will go wrong feeling. Well, that's where you kind of rely on your senior players and your and your um, experience going through that and all of that sort of stuff. And um, that's what you've just got to go back to the training ground. And you know, it's a, we, you, you hear it all the time, players saying that, but that's where you fix things. That's where you keep doing the things that you're doing well on the training pitch. And then it, t- it does turn. You, you try and fix it on the, on, the, on the park on a Saturday. That's the difficult. It's like playing golf. You don't fix your golf swing when you're playing golf. You fix it on the driving range. And then muscle memory and all of that stuff. You go back on the course and you don't think about anything. You just hit the ball. And it, lo and behold, it all works. That's how you have to get to with football. You do all your training. It's, it's pretty much like anything, Amy. Any sort of sport, any sort of any sort of job, really. You, you, you learn, you know, you prepare to fail if you, if you don't, if you don't uh, do the work before. And that's, that's the important thing. So going on a Saturday... And desperately trying to get that win normally works the other way. But that's the hard thing is flipping your brain into just relaxing on the Saturday. Yeah. And that's where those youngsters have got to look around that dressing room at the senior players and going, like David Luiz has been through bad spells in his career at other clubs when they've not been winning, etc. Players like that. But I, that's the bit where we flip back. Look, James is talking about the character and stuff of the team and, does it have those people that, you know, if I'm looking around that dressing room now, I'm, I'm like, who am I looking at? Who, who, if I'm, if I'm Aubameyang, a young, if I'm Saka and I'm going, I'm playing left back, I'm out yeah. of position, I'm doing my best. 
Um, we can't win. The pressure's not necessarily on him, but the pressure playing it in, in the Arsenal first team is pressure anyway. But no one's looking at him and going, get us out of trouble, it's your fault. So the pressure's off him a little bit, but he needs help. He's looking round. And who's he, who's he looking at? You know, I, I, I was so blessed to be able to, at any point in my Arsenal career, when I first got there and I was, you know, got in the team, Kenny Sanson was playing left back. I was like, oh. I could go and ask him. David O'Leary was standing yeah. next to me. Tony Adams had, was it was a seasoned pro, even though he was on a young. And so these players. And then as I went through my career, I could kind of go when even the, the, in the latter years, when I was a senior player, there was times when I was having bad times, and I'd go and I'd just look up and I'd look at Tony, and he'd just look at me and he'd go, "It's all right, mate. I've got you back." And I go, "Bang, I'm done. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know he's there." And so I can kind of just then relax a bit and, and and not be tense and but that is massively easier said than done and that's yeah. where the dressing room plays such a huge part in in a team's getting out of trouble mode that that's that is it's invaluable it's going to take us a little bit of time i feel i mean the next up next up is manchester united you have obviously played in some enormous games against man united now it's what 12th against 6 it's hard to get yeah. used to isn't it yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, I think the 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 intensity of that game has has drifted as well. You know, the the fact that the, the the both teams are not at the top makes a difference. Although it didn't in the past, it didn't really matter where they were. It was just like I didn't even look at the league when we were playing United. It was like I don't care. I just want to beat them. And and um, there'll be an element of that. Hopefully, there's there's still some of that. You know, in the walls of. Uh, the dressing room somewhere that the players can can kind of take it take in before they run out onto the pitch and get an essence of it. But I don't. It's not the same game as it used to be, and you know it'll be as you quite rightly said. It's a kind of almost um, you know a, a mediocrity. Although United have have to say United's you know front three are looking pretty powerful. And when I look think about how the game <laughs> might pan out, that's something that yeah. I'm just I'm just going in to do some analysis now at, at uh, Premier League Productions, and we're kind of like I'm looking at that, how, what they could possibly do to us on the break, because this you know that could be quite scary. So we need to be on our guard. Quite, um, uh, Lee. We're going to let you go. But I should say to the listeners, if you do see Lee in, say, a coffee shop and he spills something, don't go and console him because <laughs> he'll probably just hit you. Uh, and also, uh, if you want to, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to watch NBC next time just to hear Lee's analysis of our defence through the game. Uh, Lee, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you very yeah. much. Great as always. Happy Thank New Year. Great New Year. Yeah. You yeah. Too. Cheers, and mate. you. Cheers, Lee. Lee Dixon. One of the things that I did like about Sunday's game, and obviously I didn't like the ending at all, but um, was the feeling that there's a bit of togetherness again between the fans and the uh, players, the club generally. And now you wrote about this, Amy, that togetherness. It did feel different, didn't it? Yes. I, I mean, I think I tried... It was a funny one afterwards because at the end of the game, sometimes you come away from a game and occasionally I'll ring James or James mm. will have a chat and, and try and make sense of what we've seen. Yeah. Um, 
And it was that real conflict between, I was struggling to reconcile the optimism that I felt in that first half an hour with the kind of crushing desolation of losing a game that it would have, everybody knew that it would have felt like such a launch pad to have actually got three points then. And quite apart from just the sort of the boon of winning and the feel good factor, actually it would have put Arsenal, what, five points within the top four, which mm. I think reignites that sense that with quite a lot of the season to go, if you if you can turn things around, that that things are still available and things are still uh, achievable and chaseable. So it was kind of wrestling with the the, the two sides of of the of the of the coin, the yin and yang, if you like. But I was okay. I mean, James, I know how you feel, but I felt mm. I was okay with the crushing desolation. I don't like it, but it's different from the apathy I've been feeling Agreed. from the last few yeah, months. Yeah, a lot of people have been saying that, and I identify with that too. That feeling of it really hurt, and it hurt because we deserved yeah. something. Yeah. And we haven't always looked like we've deserved something this season. I, I was in my season ticket in the ground and I felt a really different atmosphere. At half time, people were singing sort of in the concourse, in the outside bars bit. And that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. you know, That doesn't happen at home games. And people were really energised. It really felt like something woke up in that first half. You know, everything was breathing yes. again. I think energy was the word that kept yeah, going around in my it. head. Energy, energy, energy. And it felt like there was this pulse. There was like, it's like being plugged into a sort of electric socket and everything being turned on again. And Which is why we it, go. It, exactly. But yeah. I think you could feel that within the crowd and you could certainly see it in the way that the players were playing. And there was one move in particular up the right-hand side and uh, one of the players sort of backheeled it, it through someone running on the overlap and then it came across. I think maybe Lacazette miscontrolled the chance that, oh, I'm getting a bit mixed up in my head but yeah, you're right. there was that this was kind of there was this dr- sort of driving move up the right full of pace we were back to front in a heartbeat and there was this rousing like ah that great kind of applause of yeah. energy of, of, of respect for what the team were trying to do and it felt like a kind of a bit of a communal moment of like come on this is what it's all about this is what playing for Arsenal should be. When was the last um, time you enjoyed a home game? I mean, I forget the, the result. Forget the result because it, that wasn't enjoyable. And I had to drink a lot to get over that one, right? <laughs> but, but, when was the last time that you felt like you really enjoyed it? <laughs> the last time I enjoyed it was standing next to you for the <laughs> Victoria Guimario game. Watching the, uh, watching watching the manager, manager with the cheap with his, suit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was more oh, yeah, that was, the uh, the little commentary. There's a bit I of guess. gallows humour going on. <laughs> yeah, that there was, but and the Pepe goals at the end, and you know, that, there was a kind of moment there. Yeah, and, but uh, Europa you know. League. I'm saying, I mean, it was nice to have the comeback against Spurs, yeah. I guess. But really, this season there hasn't really been much of a feeling like that. But a couple of times when they snapped into tackles, when Torreira won the ball back. Uh, and I really love watching Torreira this weekend. Yeah, he was uh, great. Uh, it just felt different from anything I felt, f- not since Unai Emery was there, because the first few games it was pretty good, but certainly for a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, even you saw that in the reception players got when they were subbed off. You know, you think about Callum Chambers, the way he walked off the field, the way Meza Ozil walked off the field. Yeah. A far cry from what we saw when Ozil went off the other week or when Shaka went off the other week. People were really receptive and responsive to the effort, I think, that those players put in. And I just kind of wish it had fallen at a different point in the season because I think with the fixture list being as it is, that lasting for 90 minutes was probably just never that realistic. Well, that's the question. And we we, we touched on it with Lee about the fitness of the players. I mean, they have not worked so hard for quite some time. There's no doubt that that Mikel Arteta got in that dressing room and had a bit of that thing that they do at Manchester City and the closing down and the pressing together. 
and it looked to me like they ran out of steam after about 70 minutes. Yeah, I think I think they probably did, and I think that's sort of fair enough. They played most of those players faced Bournemouth. What was it, two or three days before? It's not a big gap at all, uh, and Arteta's not had a lot of time to do any sort of fitness work with them. In fact, it's quite difficult to do that in in the middle of a season, full stop. You do that work in pre-season, uh, and he's not got a pre-season. He's not even got an international break. He's right in the thick of it. So, I think that kind of fatigue is inevitable and it's a bit of a worry I suppose looking at United so only a couple of days away and this squad is quite thin now with yeah. a few injuries yeah. I think what was more um, something that they got to kind of think about going forward was how in that second half once it became apparent that Chelsea had changed their pattern and had mm. began to exert some pressure Arsenal just couldn't get out and I think that was what no. exhausted them there was no respite the amount of times that you know it felt like it was taking two or three or four minutes of Chelsea possession before Arsenal could actually finally get an interception mm. then boom give it away straight away and the pressure was back on again and I, I think that's what got to them but it somehow uh, I mean and, and I, this is not a criticism of Arteta at all because he didn't have a lot to play with really in terms of changing things around he already had a forced substitution and there wasn't exactly a, a billion opportunities on the bench uh, to change the, the, the strategy of the team but ideally uh, Arsenal would have somehow in that earlier on in that second half been able to change either their shape or their personnel yes. slightly to to alter that pressure that they were under. So it wasn't a case of trying to hang on to the one nil yeah. until the ninetieth minute. Yes. It would have made it would have made a difference if they had a centre forward on the bench that they could take off Lacazette, mm. say, who looked a little bit tired. Now I wanted to ask you. I was going to say you wrote a piece about chance creation, but you're probably going to tell me it was about something else now. But let's just say that's what I've read from it. Tell us what you were saying in this piece. There's a perception that Arsenal are a team with a really free-flowing good attack that just need a bit of a solid defence. But this season, that's inaccurate. And if you look at the amount of chances Arsenal create, the amount of shots they have in goal, I think they're sort of 11th or 12th in the league. So very much mid-table on that front as well as defensively. Uh, So yeah, I think there's as much work to do going forward. Even though there's very obviously talent there, it just feels like that the patterns of play aren't necessarily to create the chances we're used to seeing from an Arsenal team. But I guess if you build the base, if you have a solid defence and maybe the midfielders can get forward a little bit more and just help them out a little bit rather than just have the front three. Because we talk about Liverpool and their amazing front three. But you know what? They get help from the wings. They get help you know, from the midfield. They get plenty of help. Whereas ours don't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I think Mikel Arteta, we said we felt a bit sorry for him earlier on. I've got a huge amount of sympathy with him because the point I was making is that this is not a a, a one-job thing for him. He's got to fix this team front to back. And I I think it's pretty remarkable, actually, that we're already seeing tangible improvements. Given he's had about, what, three, four, five training sessions, maybe? No. It it is pretty amazing to produce any kind of turnaround in that time. And although the results aren't there, the performances are definitely better. So briefly, uh, what do we need uh, in the transfer market, aside from heaps of money spent on a number of players but any specific ones that we need I mean a centre half sure it's a really good question Ian because if you actually look at the you know if you uh, one of the things that needs to be done is that Arteta and the medical team and the football executive committee all sit and knock their heads together because they need to find out who is likely to be back Mm. when because if there's going to be no fullbacks for you know ages I mean you know we saw what happened last season when uh, there were no right backs, evidently, from January onwards. And what did what did Arsenal do? 
go and loan Dennis Suarez. I <laughs> yeah, mean, it was the kind of classic Rafa Benitez, I asked for a lampshade and they bought me a sofa or whatever the, the quote was. But, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it, it wasn't the right use of what little resources Arsenal had last January. No. Um, I think two things need to happen and that's that uh, Arsenal at senior level, executive level, have to realise that even if... Uh, all their instincts is not to do business in January. This is an exceptional situation. I mean, it was great to hear Lee, Lee saying, you know, won't go down, no problem, and absolutely not giving it even a second's thought. But the table is quite scary. Yeah. Um, the form is quite scary. And I think just sort of hoping that you get by is not really good enough uh, no. if you've got a situation where you're not going to have key positions covered. I mean, expecting Bukayo Sacco to be the only left-back. I mean, Lee said Aubameyang was a brilliant left-back, which he was, but let's be serious, he can't be playing left-back this season, uh, you know, m- much more. Uh, or well, even no. filling in is that. It's, it's, it's a madness. Because it stops him getting up the other end and Quite. doing what he does. So, you know, they have to, have to analyse exactly who might be you know, potentially available soon to fill those gaps. Um, centre-back is just a screamingly obvious thing because they didn't make the right choices in buying centre-backs recently, which everybody knows. Uh, plus the injuries are just are terribly unfortunate. Yeah, and I, I've really felt for Callum Chambers because I think he's been excellent for most of this season. Agreed. I think he's po- possibly been Arsenal's most reliable defender in a variety of positions and really looked like he's come into the side and played with remarkable composure and confidence in a situation where nobody else and that back line has had a great deal. Um, I think the crowd acknowledged that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think but that... But it's that, quite a big loss. People wouldn't have said that Callum Chambers no. being out for a while is going to be a big loss no. at the beginning of the season, but it is, and that's where Arsenal are. I, I looked at Lucas Torreira's performance, which was just dazzling, and thought to myself, I would love to see uh, another defensive midfield player with different qualities um, if the, if Granit Xhaka does depart, as seems possible, yep. it's obviously something that he wants. If a deal can be done and if a player can be found, I don't ask me who that player might be, somebody physical, athletic, who can do more of the dirty work. Because what Torreira does so brilliantly and what's so invaluable in this team and what he showed when he first arrived and then it kind of gradually got eroded a bit, is is that ability to pass the ball forward quickly from midfield. He finds an accurate forward pass just like that, like a click of the fingers. And it gets, that was part of the reason I felt that Arsenal managed to have that snap and that zip and Mm. that speed of play uh, and that energy came a lot from what he was doing. Centre-half, central defensive midfield player. Um, I mean, what I should ask you, James, is uh, who are we almost going to sign? (laughs) Uh, Because you did, of course, uh, write about Arsenal's almost signings. Uh, I imagine that was a long piece. (laughs) It was, yeah. I mean, the list of players that Arsenal (laughs) nearly bought in the last decade is quite amazing. Uh, Higuain, you know, was a big one. Suarez, obviously, we all remember. Uh, Trying to think who else that summer. Denver Barr was expecting to turn up on transfer deadline day and... The club were all ready to go with the announcement. It got pulled the plug on the last minute by yeah. uh, Chelsea and Jose Mourinho. So, yeah, some quite extraordinary ones. I, I have a personal soft spot for, back in 2004, Arsenal so nearly bought Hatem Trebelsi, the Ajax right-back, that he was included in the Arsenal squad on a computer game that season because <laughs> everyone just assumed it was going to happen and then it <laughs> fell apart at the last minute. Next week, we have uh, FA Cup third round. Yeah. Uh, Day. We're playing Leeds at home. We've had, well, we all remember 
the uh, Thierry Henry Leeds uh, FA Cup. Mm. That, that was a third round game, wasn't it? That, that was one? the third that round, yeah. Third round, one of the. One it was of also the... a Monday night, I believe. All right, so I'm assuming we're not going to be playing much of a reserve team because the reserve team are all playing in the first team at the moment, as far as they're I can They're playing tell. fullback, yeah, most they are, of them. They're playing fullback. So, um, I mean, we got any strong FA Cup memories? I mean, I'm hoping for a run this year because if Arteta can get us going, maybe that's our best chance of a trophy. Am I sorry? Have I, I gone a bit too far. far? Yeah, yeah. I think walk before you can run. Just I'm... get. A, you just mean best chance of a win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, you're right. Best chance of a win is what I meant. It's good for us to get used to playing championship opposition. Do you know what I mean? This is a good chance to test <laughs> our metal. We were, uh, we our were talking about this game. Oh, I've never been to Preston. You've been to Preston? <laughs> That'd be quite nice. So Blackburn, we were going, oh, no, I don't want to go to Blackburn. No. Because, no. you know, I, I did a gig in Blackburn once, and I said, can I need to go back to the station? They go, you go through the graveyard. <laughs> and I thought, I don't, I don't really want to be here, to be honest with you. Anyway, uh, Lee Dixon said, we're too good to go down. True. And and if Lee Dixon said that, okay. That's gospel. Uh, that's, that's gospel. What I do like about the FA Cup, particularly, uh, and I know we got Manchester United first, but what I do like about the FA Cup is is the large number of away fans that come and make a proper atmosphere. Because if we if our fans are getting going now with the way that Mikel Arteta has got the team playing and their fans, we know Leeds fans will make a noise, there'll be oh, some atmosphere time. at that game. Big time. They're on a the league anyway. They're on a high. Yeah. Um, they've been waiting a long time to feel this good about their team. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, Arsenal are sitting here moaning at the moment, but Leeds have been waiting a real... I remember going uh, when Arsenal played Leeds in the uh, FA Cup. I think it was a fourth round and played four or five games when we had replays. Yeah. Um, uh, Ian Wright scored an absolute brilliant goal in one of the one of the games at Ellen Road. Uh, I went to all those matches. And I was when I was living in Yorkshire. Yeah. So I was with all the Leeds fans on all the journeys, sort of down to London when we had a couple of games at Highbury and then two two games up at Ellen Road before it was finally finally decided um, those heady days of endless replays oh yes yeah, Sheffield you're not, was it Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday in five games but I listen the point is I'm looking forward to the games now which I haven't done for a while mm. I didn't like the way you were talking about Leeds on the way up and us on the way down almost <laughs> it's a bit star is born isn't it really uh, anyway before uh, we leave you uh, we need a song for this week I was really trying to come up with something a bit positive um, laughter I really, I, I, I did feel quite positive about it. Given where we are um, in terms of time, I, I started thumbing through the old Neil Young album, Decade, right. looking for some inspiration, but uh, a, lot, a lot of really kind of morbidly. Yes. So, anyway, Helpless, oh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right, but so it didn't end up I think that maybe positive. one of you guys. I had Getting songs. Better by the Beatles. I, I feel like we're on the, I feel like Aww. optimistic. Right, I had Tragedy by the Beatles. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Okay. So that's not great. <laughs> Let's go with different perspectives. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it for Handbrake Off for this week, uh, this year, and this decade. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week with our tales of FA Cup success and a comment on our surge uh, up the table and the challenge for Champions League places. Thank you to studio guests Amy Lawrence, James McNicholas. Thanks to Lee Dixon down the line and our producer, Taya. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, at Ian D. Stone, at Amy Lawrence 71, or at Gunnerblog. Thank you very, very much for listening. Nice to see you guys. <laughs>